Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza and Nick and I are back from uh, our summer travels and on this episode we are talking about everything. House prices, where do they go from here, interest rates, money supply, M2, how do we prepare, what do we prepare for. We dive into all the nitty gritty of what is going on in Canada on this episode. So brace yourselves, you're in for some fun on this episode. And if you're listening to this, we definitely want you to be aware that on Saturday, October 14th, we have the next Your Life, Your Terms event. It is jam packed with great guest speakers. Nick is going to be there. I'm going to be there. There's the Rockstar members that are going to be there. We have a small section of tickets reserved for people who are not members. You have to pay for those tickets. If you're a Rockstar member, it's included with your membership. So save a seat. We are going to cap out on this thing. It is Saturday, October 14th. So book that date in your calendars now. Make sure we see you there. I think in times like this, it's important that we all come together and share a bunch of information. Wait till you see who's, who is coming to this event. It is stacked. We talk about it on this podcast as well. So that is it for this intro. Get ready for the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, we are live with Nicholas Alexander Karadza. And you know what, Nick? I was just thinking, Canada's a great place and we live a great life here, but take me back to Croatia, man. This was a great summer. Like lying (laughs) on the beach. No, seriously, lying on those hot stones on the beach. Italy was awesome too. I'm not going to lie. The food in Italy, the wine in Italy, the cost of meals in Italy. Italy was amazing. But um, especially when you get out of the tourist trap places. Yeah, I think any place when you get out of the yeah. tourist, the main yeah. cities or yeah. the tourist trap areas. Yeah, but the cost, sure. it was the cost of things that was amazing too. You know how I was telling you the wine cost? Like it was 12 euro for a beautiful bottle of wine. I mean, that's like, I yeah. feel like unheard of. And that's at a restaurant. But people have been moaning and complaining. I, I was going to say, bit, oh, I'll just say I was bitching and complaining. It just sounds better about the, the Ontario wines for so long because for the you know there's so much tax they're like why down the street you know you can drive from toronto you can drive down to the wine country and there's all these these like ontario has some good wines but the cost because of all the taxes that get poured on them they're so high that you can buy like international wines for similar cost or cheaper and it doesn't make sense when you can just drive down the highway and you, you can get access to them there but why is the cost so much there so I, I don't know, I don't, and I don't know all the details think, of that, but I'm missing something. I got to be missing something. I think, and I think the LCBO is not only just hated locally here. I think it's hated globally because in Italy, these Italians were basically cursing that I, I think it's Rufino that is like part owned either a minority or majority stake by can, some Canadian company. And they know LCBO is like the biggest purchaser, but there's all these other beautiful wines in Italy that we don't even get at the LCBO oh, that yeah. I was discovering there. Like, I think it was a Varnaccia a Vernaccio, a Vermentino. And these are like great dry white wines that you can't even find at the LCBO. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's how it is. I know. I know. I, and I think when you talk to some of the wineries that deal with the LCBO, they're not, you know, they're not huge fans either. You know, if they're in their good books, but they're just like, the, the way the market should be is probably a little bit more of an open market, but What's it is what it is. What's the LCBO doing? I think 80... And this is better. Just think, this is better than it used to be. Remember all the liquor laws before? Like, this is actually better than is it, it used to be. I can't even remember. Well, the, you know, a, a lot of these smaller wine shops that are different places, they can carry other wines. Oh, just so it. hard to find. There's not that many of them because the LCBO has such a monopoly, so the, there's not that many of them. I'm sure it's hard to compete, and then you have to find them, and they can't carry the wines that the LCBO carries, and it's just, you know, it's just kind of, it gets messy. 
Aiden was telling me that though, you know, those, that, that podcast, the full send podcast, yeah. those guys have their own, um, cooler. I think it's called happy dad. And they were saying it's released in like, I don't know, pretty much all of the U S or big majority of the U S and a couple provinces here in Canada, but in Ontario, they haven't released. Those guys are from, I think Kyle, that main guy's from Mississauga. Yeah. They can't release it in Ontario. So there's a huge fan base here because of the ingredient mix and for the LCBO, they're trying to change one ingredient apparently to get it passed in. I wonder Ontario. what it is. Who knows? Yeah. And it's probably worse. Yeah. Like whatever they're trying to change, it's probably like a worse ingredient that they're trying to change. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, going to Italy, I just want to finish up on this point. Like there would be Carol's families in Florence. We go out for dinner. There's nine of us. Um, I'm there with Carol and Aiden. My daughter wasn't with us at that point. She was taking a grade 12 kind of English class that would go through Europe. So she wasn't with us at that moment. There was nine of us out for dinner in Florence, end of July, tour season. They take us to a local restaurant, not a tourist restaurant. We ate like champions, multiple bottles of wine, desserts, espresso, um, appetizers, like a whole thing. The bill comes, I look at the bill, and you know when you put in, in Europe, you put in your like your, your Amex or your Visa card and it says, do you want to pay in like euros or Canadian? Yeah. So I see the Canadian dollar price of the, the meal. And it's a, you know it's a ripoff because the credit card companies are like definitely yeah, ripping yeah. you off on that exchange or whatever. But it's still so low that the price was lower for nine of us there than four of us eating in downtown Oakville, Ontario for dinner. Yeah, well the problem's Oakville, Ontario, probably. No, but the problem was <laughs> the problem was the alcohol. It's twelve dollars a bottle, sixteen bottles yeah. a bottle instead of like eighty dollars. Well, yeah, you can get a, a bottle of wine at a restaurant for sixty dollars. You're not really getting one for thirty five anymore. No, six. I was going to say what fifty. Fifty. It depends, you know, if it's like a you know a, a dinner a dinner oriented restaurant, it's not like a place you would go to for let's oh you yeah. go for lunch and dinner. Yeah, yeah usually it's maybe bottles like fifty bucks yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, and it's easy to find one that you might know for like eighty. They kind of nail you on that. They're like, oh, here's a popular. Yeah, that costs fifteen of the LCBL. Yeah, so you get three of the eighty dollar bottles. What are we talking about now? Yeah, uh, two hundred and forty bucks. We're there. You're getting for twelve dollars. Well, you get three. What's that? Thirty six bucks. Two hundred and forty versus thirty six. That's euro. Okay, so mark it up to fifty dollars after conversion or whatever that is. 240 versus 50. It makes the whole dinner different. Yeah. Anyway, that's my beef on LCBO. <laughs> Current beef on LCBO. But we were talking before we started recording about, I think the top of everyone's mind is our interest rates going higher. What's going to happen with the real estate market? Um, if I do happen to sell a piece of real estate investment property right now, like if I have four or five properties, I want to sell one, what do I do with the money? Um, and what's going on with M2 is something that we're following. So all these things are top of everyone's yeah, mind. But I, you just brought up a stat on M2. Well, I, I haven't seen this chart before. So this chart's really cool. It says, and it, it's it's the Canada M2 supply, which is which is kind of the gross money supply, um, compared to the U.S. money supply. And ours actually increased at a faster percentage pace since 2020 than the U.S. did. Ours has gone way more up. And it's gone more down, which is why we're seeing kind of the larger impact of of these, uh, 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 you know, the last year or so of interest rate hikes and money coming out of the system and kind of, you know, deflation, deflationary forces squeezing everyone right now. Um, but it, look, look at this. This blew me away. Um, Canada printed a lot of money to stimu stimulate its economy. Since January 2020, the Canadian M2 money supply has increased by 33%. This means 33% of all money in circulation in Canada was printed within the last three years. That's mind-boggling. 
That's my bar. And no wonder that we had this huge asset price run up because we had in the last three years. So that was starting in 2020. And then we had all this money flush into the system. And what does the money do? It doesn't just sit there. People are going to use it for stuff. So they, 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 they used it for, I mean, the, during that time, that's why a lot of people were either buying cottages or renting Airbnbs and, you know, to, uh, demand for uh, uh, boats and, and, um, jet skis and you know all that type of stuff even when people weren't traveling all that type of stuff started jumping more and more and then now you're seeing it come down faster and harder than the u.s and it's why our economy seems to be slowing faster and harder than the american economy too so that's what we're you know that that was a real surprise to me because i didn't i didn't see that i see that before but when you see it on a chart i wish we could show the chart but i'm not gonna you know what i i I was gonna try and put the chart up but i can't get the chart up i think there's since We've been gone for the summer here. I think there's a cord in the wrong place. So I can't show it. I wanted to, but I can't show the M2 chart. Who do we blame? We blame Anthony for that, I guess. Yeah, Anthony. He's yeah. always a good person to blame for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anthony, Anthony wrecked it. Can't, <laughs> no one can see the chart. But, uh, but I think that's also why the fact that you're saying 33% of all the dollars in existence came into existence since when? 2020? Yeah. According to this chart, that's, that's what it like. It. And I think that's why, you know, I was at a grocery store the other day and I was talking to the butcher at the grocery store and I'm like, Hey, why don't you have the tenderloin out anymore? Like you don't have, you know, tenderloin is going to be a pretty pricey piece of meat. Let's face it. Not everyone's going every day to buy tenderloin. But every once in a while you want to splurge, you want some nice tenderloin, you go to the butcher. And the butcher's answer kind of stunned me because I knew this was coming. But to hear it shocked me. He said, well, Tom, we don't have it out there. People aren't buying it. They can't afford it. Yeah. And so then he goes in back and I already promised my mother-in-law we were going to have the good meat. (laughs) <laughs> that Sunday. So I was in for the tenderloin. So I'm like, oh my gosh, can you please, you know, cut me some? He goes in the back, cuts some up, gives me the tenderloin. And he was even like, hey, I'm so, he was apologizing for the price as he handed it to me. And then I looked at the price and I said, well, is there a loan officer here that comes with this? Like, just, you know, can I get a loan? Do I talk to a loan officer between the meat and the fish department here or at the cash? How does this work? But it was so expensive that he said, yeah, we just don't have the tenderloin out. Like people aren't buying it. So it'll just sit out there. We're coming to the point where we are going to start to define the, the haves and the have nots in society based on the quality of food they eat. This is something you and I talked about. I don't know if you remember, like five, six, seven years ago. We're starting to see it happen right now. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's been happening before. You're just seeing it in, in a larger scale now. I mean, because it's been happening for a sure, long time. Sure, it's been happening, I guess, yeah. since we were kids. But now it just feels like, wow, everyone is complaining about the grocery bill. And when you say that the... M2 money supplies increased by 33%. That means everybody's purchasing power of the dollars in their checking account have been decreased by a very substantial amount. It's not going to equate equally to 33%. Well, what's funny is if you look at this, and I I didn't verify this, but there's another chart uh, here that I'm looking at, and I I would have to kind of do the calculation. But if I just read off what what they said here, it says, since Q1 2020, the prices of condo townhouses in Toronto have increased by, and so it says, drum drum roll, please, you guessed it, 33%. Oh, no, so that no way. yeah, that one actually line, lines up. But then at, at, you know, as a further example, single detached homes in Toronto increased by forty five percent over the same period. And I mean, there's reasons for that, where there would be more demand, things like that. This is from um, Maurizio's latest newsletter from uh, from Ledin. Yeah, his newsletter is good. He always puts. Good yeah, he's always putting. It's 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 good context. I like it when he chart, talks about South America and sees you know with what they're seeing, mm-hmm. you know with USDC and Bitcoin and the demand for it down there. So this is going to be interesting. If there's more liquidity that's going to come into the system because some unexpected crisis happens or you know a recession hits hard and they have to pump in more money, I think over the 
last, you know, from 2008 until about what, two years ago, the real estate market always got the money first because interest rates were low. So when interest rates are low, new debt based money comes into the system when people borrow and real estate is a huge market for people borrowing. So real estate prices then go up first because the money hits that market first. Over COVID, we did have an era where CERB checks went out and just checks started flying out. And then we really saw inflation in not just real estate, we saw it hit grocery store items because the money was hitting people's checking account, people just going out and buying stuff. There's more money in the system. Yeah. The existing money you did have went down in value because the money supply increased. And we saw an increase in basic things like food for all of us. And now it's hitting people's credit cards because the credit card balances and delinquency rates are going up. Right, because now people, so to the same point, so all went into these assets, and then people are like, well, I can't put in as much into assets or speculate on stocks and stuff as much. I need to go to the grocery store. So they put it to the grocery store, and now the funds aren't there. The, the, the savings rate's way down. And from what it was, because the savings rate was really high because of the amount of money they put into the system. So now people are using debt again, and it's, it's driving up credit card balances and delinquency rates on credit cards. So, which is likely going to grocery stores still. Here's this, I, I wanna ask you, if you were to sell a property right now, where, what you would do with the money, so I wanna come back to that specific question. But I think what's insidious about this whole thing, like if you look at the Canadian M2 money supply in 19, like in the year 2000-ish, okay, 2000 or so, um, to today, it's gone up five times. So what I mean by that is in the year 2000, let's say you were lucky enough to have $10,000 saved up. And if you divided it by the existing money supply or M2 in the year 2000, whatever percentage that works out to is your percentage of the purchasing power of the cash in the economy. You own that percent of purchasing power. You know, your $10,000 as a percentage of all the M2 is your purchasing power in the economy. Now, and I know there's a, like, I'm kind of generalizing here because sure, with credit, you can borrow and all this other nonsense, but at a simple level, that's what's happening. If you then hold that $10,000 because you're quote unquote smart and you save money, then the M2 goes to today from the year 2000 and it goes up five times, five times. Yeah. Now, if you take the same percentage of your $10,000 against the five times greater money supply, you've been killed in purchasing power. Your percentage of the existing M2 is way down. Your purchasing power in the cash, in the economy is way down. And that's why when you go to the grocery store, things look more expensive, but they're really not more expensive. It's the same freaking piece of steak. It's that the dollars have lost all this value because so many have been printed, but nobody discusses it that way. They just look at, look, how much is the steak? Oh, look at how much real estate prices are but it's the central bank and the government printing so much money for all these promises that they don't have to keep to save the banks, to save their own hide. And it's screwing the population. Yeah, I mean, and, it's the same problem we've been talking, nothing's changed. It's just accelerating. Yeah. And here, I guess here's my question to you. In a credit-based money system, which is what we have, we don't have a commodity-based money. You know, we don't have a gold and silver Bitcoin, Bitcoin would be like a, a, a commodity-based money, in my opinion, as well, be it backed by energy. We have a credit-based money system. A credit-based money system, every dollar that comes into the system, comes into the system with interest owing on that dollar. So the only way to pay back the first dollar is to borrow another dollar plus interest. 
So the M2 money supply in a credit-based system has to keep increasing and increasing and increasing. So my question to you is that M2 has come down now in this country for like 12 months. So over, over what, 20 years, it's gone up five times. Now it's come down a little bit. And if you look at the M2 chart, you can see how little it's come down since then. It's come down a little, little, little bit. And look at the state of the economy. Everybody's feeling it. How much more can M2 come down without bringing the financial system down? And where I'm headed with that is people will say, well, real estate prices are about to get killed. I'm like, okay, let's walk through this a little bit. So real estate prices are going to get killed. So you think interest rates are going to bring uh, property prices down by what percent? And let's say it's 30%, a big, big correction. So now the banks in Canada that already have like 25% of extend, uh, existing mortgages beyond their original amortization, today that exists. How many mortgages are going to be in some form of default if property prices drop 30%? And the, the Bank of Canada and the government of Canada is just going to stand there and say, yep, yeah, that's fine, let it happen. And people sell properties and some of these properties are going to be sold with not even enough money left to pay the original loan back. So the banks are going to take haircuts and the government and central bank is going to let that happen. And I'm not saying they shouldn't clean the system. Maybe they should. That's the proper capitalist approach. But now I've been around long enough to know that, oh, I don't really think they're going to let that happen. Yeah. And, and you've got to extrapolate it further out because I guess one of my pet peeves is when people talk about, you know, sometimes the, the economy or, or what the, the Bank of Canada does, they just... I guess because we look at a lot of real estate data and I think some people in real estate think that real estate is all that matters. And they're like, well, are they going to save the real estate market or the prices or not? And I think that's what's important is that it's not about real estate, to your point. Yeah. It matters to the banks and not just the banks, because when you extrapolate that out and you take that amount of wealth or money out of the system, that's going to then impact the stock markets too, and the prices of everything, because people will then need to be start selling off other assets to for money elsewhere or whatever the case may be. So it kind of there's this trickle down effect that goes through the entire economy, which brings everything to to a standstill. Unemployment jumps up. Like there's all sorts of things that 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 that, mm-hmm. that goes into that are that are outside of the real estate market, um, and I think that's what matters too. And then especially the banks, they always want to protect the banks, right? Well, the banks, I mean, yeah, you roll it all the way back. The banks control everything. Yeah, control but just think of, the sell, think of the selling pressure if that happens just in real estate. What happens to other asset prices? Because you're not going to see, you're not going to get that change in real estate and see other asset prices jumping up. No, you, I guess you could see a forward-looking stock market think, oh, we know what's going to happen next. We're going to get a bunch of liquidity in the system in some way, shape, or form. And the stock market could potentially start if, outpacing if everything I, else. It, it depends on what's causing the, like, you know, in when there's just, there's a portion of the real estate market. So the way I look at the real estate market is it, is it was a mess the last few years, okay? And we talked about this in, in some of the market updates and stuff, and there was these structural problems in the real estate market. So there's supply-demand is one thing um, to look at, and then there's kind of easy money, so these low interest rates and the, in, in the, mortgage, the mortgage bonds that they were buying at that time to kind of like support the system during COVID. So there's all these things that were just, you know, like like just this big, not even fire, like an inferno in the real estate market. Then... 
Then you had the speculation on top of that. And that's the part that can come off very easy and cause these market corrections like we've seen, right? So then, then when you have people walking into a sales office or a, a, you know, a condo, a new home, a, a new construction condo, they're like, well, I don't know, give me three because the prices are just going to go up because in three or five years or two years, I mean, by this thing's going to be built, I mean, I'm guaranteed to be sitting on at least 200 grand. Like, you know, give me a few. And now you're seeing those people though, well, they can't close because that really hasn't happened and, and, and interest rates are up and they can't afford the mortgage payment, they can't close and there's problems there it that i feel like the majority of that part of the market has now been removed so now we still we've still had strong increases in real estate over the last few years if you look from a few years ago to today and i know it's, i know what it went up even more and has come back down i get that but that's the speculation portion the other portion that's still messed up is now we still have these supply demand thing that's underlying the real estate market so that's messing messing things up for the real estate and, and not really messing it up i just mean it's it's it, 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 it's supporting prices and not allowing them sure. to drop as much as they are. And we still have, you know, lending going on and there is, is affordability worse than it was hundred percent, but rates can go higher and that would reduce affordability even more. So we still have these other things that are supporting the market, but we have taken one, we've taken like the jet fuel that was poured on the fire and we've taken that off. And now we're back to these other two things and trying to get these two sort these two things sorted. And if those two things change and those dynamics change, then yeah, there can be more changes to the real estate market. But until that really changes, I don't see how that how there's there's big moves. One way or the other. No, agreed. But, but because I don't and, see how there's a, a big move upwards either to yeah, even with supply yeah. and demand out, you know, the, out of whack the way it is with interest rates and, and, and uh, carrying costs where they are either. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah there's a, maybe a floor underneath it and there's and like a ceiling a, above a ceiling it. Above. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. But, agreed. but the, the, what caused the rest? Cause people are like, well, here comes the rest. Well, though something else has to change. So it, so if you believe like I do that those three factors combined to, you know, to get us to the point that we were at when we were at that peak, when you remove the speculate, the speculation portion, now we're back to, to what, where the other two brought us. Mm -hmm. And when I look back at just like the history of money supply in this country, if you look at a historical chart, every 10 years, the pace of increase in the money supply just goes up which to me, I've never seen it. Like I'm going back now to the eighties. And if you look, you literally, if you just Google up Canada money supply M2 and you look at a historical chart, I'm looking at the trading economics chart. You see every 10 years, the increase on the line, the slope of it just gets higher. Like it literally just gets higher every 10 years. This is like basic. You don't have to be a rocket scientist yeah, to look at this. To. So now that I'm, but now when you look at the increase, it's starting to go pretty high, pretty, pretty quickly, up, yeah. which is, which kind of gives you those Weimar Republic hyperinflation vibes. And I'm not saying that we're headed there. But if the next 10 years, that slope goes up even high, I, I mean, either the slope of M2 goes down in which we have some serious defaults, which brings some major pain into the economy, or it goes and continues higher at a faster pace, which means infl more inflation, higher prices for everything. So I guess, Nick, what I'm saying is I think there's this weird potential where you could have higher interest rates for much longer than anyone expects but inflation will be higher than the rates even. So like, let's say, I'm just gonna use general interest rates because I know we're not at 10%. But let's say you go up to 10% interest rates. If inflation is ripping at 15%, what happens in that world? That means the value of the dollar is still crashing, 
because there's more and more of them being printed in that type of environment. The government's doing something, saving some banks, sending out checks, whatever they're doing to kind of get that inflation. And rates are still high. And in that case, if you sell a property, if, if that hypothetical scenario kind of comes true, you sell a property and get cash for that property. You're, you're, you're a fortunate real estate investor. You've been able to have three, four, five properties over the last 10 or 15 years. You have some equity. You take one of the properties that has a lower mortgage. You sell it. You get some cash. You put a little bit in the bank to make you feel good. But then the rest of it, where the heck do you put it? And then the answer that I'm getting back from some pretty wealthy individuals that we both know is some of them are going into GICs because they're like, okay, well, at least I'll go into a GIC at 5%. I'm getting 5%. That's amazing. And then my thought goes like, in this world, there's enough volatility like we've discussed and there's enough danger that, holy shit, yeah, put a little bit in GICs, but don't put a large percent. I know one individual putting a very substantial amount of their net worth in GICs. And my feedback to them was like, yeah, sounds good, 5%. I'm not going to stop you from doing that. But geez, if there's a credit contagion event this fall, the spring, a year from now, yeah. and you think you're getting your money out of the bank without the bank being frozen, I'd be a little bit nervous about that kind of situation. Because that takes me back to the UK gilt market last fall when the, when they froze those those bonds over there, they call them gilts, when they froze that market over that 72-hour window, that taught me like, wow, you could have this quote unquote safest investment ever. If the market freezes and they print a lot of money before they unfreeze it, you might get access to your GICs again, but now that you're purchasing power, if they double M2 to save the system while, while your GICs are frozen and you can't cash out, when you do cash out, your purchasing power just went in half. Yeah, I know, but... What do you do? Yeah, like I know, no, I don't know the you answer. know because I don't know the answer. The I know my answer. That. I actually know what I like to do, but but I don't even know. What still, to... like even at that time, if you held it, you know where you're, where are you holding it? You know, and if you're gonna even bring up Bitcoin, well, no, historically, it's just been land, precious metals, fine art. I know, but I'm saying if if they do do something like that in a, over a short period of time, it's hard to get the money into assets over that short period of time. So you're either holding it in Agreed. assets beforehand. Agree. Or, yeah. And to me, it's hold it in other assets beforehand. I mean, take a percentage maybe and go into GICs. But like to take any substantial amount of your net worth and go in there, the risk it, is too high. Yeah. For me. I know for a typical financial person that has been raised in this North American financial system, they'll think that's just laughable. Yeah, but the, the problem with, with the, the argument with anyone that think it's, thinks it's laughable is because they, they're not looking at the inflation rate. Like very few financial advisors will even be able to speak to you about that. And I'm talking like the real inflation rate, like the stuff that matters, not that, you know, inflation. Well, or just look at M2. Well, Let's just, just look at the base money. Yeah, 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 exactly. And and when you, when you look at it that, so if you're getting 5%, but... But so, okay, so look, you yeah, got 5% a year for the last three years. Money's gone up 33%. You're falling behind. So you, you've made 15%. And I know it's compounded, let's use just use simple, but you've made 15, but it's gone up 33. So you're behind. So then that's great. So you've got your 5%. But as long as you realize you've you're now, still behind, you've lost less than you would have lost by doing nothing. But is there an option that will allow you to lose even less or maybe actually get ahead a little bit? That's probably what you want to go after. If your hurdle rate is, you know, whatever, in this, lately it's been 10% a year roughly or so. On inflation. And then, and then the point is there may be some things that someone can convince themselves like, that will protect them. Let's use gold as the historical example. But gold doesn't produce cash flow. So you better have some liquid cash to live because if you just say, oh my gosh, gold's going to go yeah. up and it doesn't, 
well, you can't, you're out of luck. You're out of luck. Yeah. You, where's your income coming from? And this is what kind of is just so nasty, nasty about a centrally planned financial system. It's pure fucking bullshit. Yeah. All of us are fucking sitting here trying to figure out where to put our money to not lose the time and labor we put to earn that money to not lose the purchasing power. We have to try to be economists just, we just have to try so we to, don't get screwed. Yeah, so yeah. that we don't get screwed. And so you have the whole economy. You know how many emails that I have from great people who are like, Tom, been fortunate enough to buy two or three properties, might sell one. I think it's the smart move right now, but I don't know where to put the money. Why do they have to spend time doing that? They should focus on being the doctor, being the dentist, being the chiropractor, being the tradesperson. But we got everybody running around in circles trying to figure out how to be an economist. And you got central bankers saying, don't worry, we're not going to raise rates forever. And then, oops, now we're going to raise rates. Sorry about that. And we're going to keep them higher for longer. So you better be ready. We're going to just do this for a long time. And we're all trying to figure out M2 inflation. Like it's fucking bullshit. Yeah. <clears throat> on that note though uh, same but different note you shared th this chart we got the Kyle in our office put this chart together which is an awesome chart and you shared it in one of the weekly newsletters that go out so I don't know anyone can look it up from a, a few weeks ago um, but it is the GTA house prices so the average sale price on the Toronto real estate board versus Canada's M2 growth and when you see those lines map together um, as well it's really interesting because the correlation is very close like it's choppy you know up and down whatever but they're very they they follow the same trend and as the the money supply remember you, you, you were saying earlier as you were saying earlier they the money supply has increased at a faster and faster rate the real estate prices kept I'm up at a faster, at a faster and faster rate as well like it, it, when you see enough of this stuff you know, it's not rocket science anymore. You're like, oh, I kind of get it. Mm -hmm. So, so one question that I was talking to someone the other day, and I'm like, you know, I was just thinking out loud. I'm like, well, one question I have then, if you think of whatever it is, so if you are a real estate investor and you're thinking about buying another property and you see this type of data, and maybe you think there's a correlation, maybe not. But if you do feel like there's a correlation, because this chart goes back to 68, and the correlation is very close. What and what's funny is the the only real market, the long-term, longer-term market correction that we had in the late 80s, early 90s, was the only time, at least on this chart, where the average sale price actually went higher than the M2 growth, mm -hmm. which I thought was interesting. But anyways, So in the 90s, M2 grew faster. No, real estate prices grew, grew faster, faster than M2. Yeah. And that was a time where real estate prices then came down to go back in line I'm, with M2. Yeah, just under the M2. And now we're at a period of the similar? No. No, oh, no, no, it just went faster. Well, because they went, they it went, there's been a couple of times where the real estate prices have kind of gone straight up and then come back down, and now they've kind of come back and bouncing around and, and things mm -hmm. like that. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it's not a perfect science, it's just a long term trend, right? But the one thing that I, I see, the, the one question that I feel like you almost have to ask yourself now if you're thinking about buying real estate is do I believe that the, they're going to increase the money supply? Mm -hmm. because that seems to be dry, one of the, the driving causes. So yeah. And can you survive until they do? Because maybe they don't that, for another 12 yeah. months, 24 months, who knows when. Well, I was going to, I mean, I was going to say that you still need like, you know, Liqui good liquidity. A, yeah. You need a good area. There's all these other things. You want transportation around, you want a good area, you want population base, you want cash flow. If you you know, when you can get cash flow, the higher the cash flow, the better you want all those things still. But it's almost like one other question you should be asking yourself and then you make the decision based on I that. I think that's too, the better way the to look at the whole economy right now. It's not where prices of stakes are going to go next or where prices of real estate is going to go next. The better way to look at the whole economy right now is what are they going to do with the supply of money? Yeah, because if they cut it in half, like right now, tomorrow, if they took all the money in circulation and they cut it in half, well, then 
all the prices yeah, that would be devastating. But yes, well, yeah, as an example, but yes. then everything gets cut in half. Yeah, everything. No, except debt. There's defaults. <laughs> except debt. Yeah, yeah. That would be problem. catastrophic yeah. because there'd be half the money supply, but the debt outstanding would be the same. Yeah, they wouldn't. Do, you know, it's not. Even but that's a good example. I understand your example. Yeah, because all prices just will go down because there's not enough money. So the stake that is worth point zero 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 one percent of the money supply, and it was costing you a hundred bucks, will still be point the same worth the same percentage value, but that's only now fifty dollars. Mm-hmm. It's the it's the same thing. That's the way I see it. And then and then there's different fluctuations because there are moments in time where supply and demand is a little bit out of whack. So, you know, meat goes up and during, I don't know, barbecue season, you know, June, July, August, and sure. maybe there's more there's demand. Turkeys are more expensive around Christmas or something. You know, there's all Things that different stuff. Different right? commodities are in higher supply. Yeah. Copper might be harder to get at some point. But, the oil, if OPEC puts on embargoes, yeah. there's all these factors. That yeah, but for it. the most part, it, mm-hmm. it's kind of, the principle holds true. Mm-hmm. And that kind of environment, it reminds me of a book I read I think like 15 years ago and the author was saying whoever loses the least mm-hmm. wins when there's deflation like you just described and prices come down whoever loses the least in that environment technically wins because your purchasing power has stayed higher than everybody else's and so like what do you want to own well, like that's what everyone's seen over the last you know 12 to 18 months mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. markets are down a lot of commodities are down real estate went down you know like there's just it's across the board so it's like what what were you holding yeah but that, so that's the proper framework for me to look at the situation is you know point number one what do you think is going to happen with the money supply and if the money supply is going to increase brace for higher prices even if rates stay high if money supply is going to come down then brace for lower prices no matter what <laughs> So that's the point. The second point I think that comes to mind for me on all of this is everyone's situation is unique. So if you're somebody who's sitting on, I'll go back to the person who might be fortunate enough to have owned three or four rental properties for like the past 10 years. So they're going to cash out some. So yeah, if they're, if they're going to cash out and that's the question, it's like, it depends is the right answer on cashing out is your situation because if you already have six months of liquidity or six months of cash savings or 12 months or 18 months or 24 months for your family to survive maybe you don't really need to cash out because you already have enough liquid cash access to survive whatever comes next but if you're uptight and you only have 30 days of cash to survive you if it's crap was really to hit the fan then maybe it makes sense to sell a property because you want to up your cash reserves in times like this. So the question on like, if you sell or don't sell, I think it's so specific to a person's situation and their personal financial liquidity during this time. Because if you have a lot of liquidity, well, I don't know if you need to rush out and sell assets if you think M2 is gonna go up, hold good assets. But if your liquidity is tight, yeah, damn, better to sell a property when you can and you're not desperate than when you can't and you are desperate. For sure, for sure. So I think it's just a case by case kind of situation. Yeah, so that's a, that's my second. Like, so first point when you're looking at all this, what do you think is going to happen with money supply? Second point is what is going to what is um, what is your personal liquidity situation? And the third point is have a plan on where to put the money. If you're going to be comfortable with it sitting in your checking account. Okay, well, fine, but just have that plan up front. Otherwise, you're going to drive yourself crazy like many people are right now <laughs> trying to figure out why, where to put the money. It's a, it's a common question for anyone that's created some, you know, some, if they've, you know, else held some assets over a period of time and they've, they've have equity in those assets now and they want to let, they want to use that somewhere. 
Because maybe you just sit on it. Where? Yeah. Or if you don't need all the liquidity, maybe just sitting on cash for a little bit and just kind of standing back. And if if things kind of settle down and M2 increases and your purchasing power with that cash goes down, you lose out a little bit. But if it, if, you know, a financial crisis of some point hits. If you lose less, like you were saying. Yeah, if you've, you've, you've survived to play another day, yeah. so you kind of win, even if the purchasing power of those dollars maybe goes down on you over 12 months. I think what's difficult to, to see looking forward, and I'm not even saying it's going to happen, but when you look back on real estate prices, they just seem, they seemed normal before, you know, and, and when you look at them now, they're like, this is crazy, how can this, how can this, uh, keep up you know it doesn't work but if they increase that money supply like it just nothing changes that the the actual just number the the nominal term the nominal price can be you know one million two million like it it can change just like it was when you know when we started going when croatia was using their own currency the kuna Mm -hmm. i forget like when you went to a restaurant if you went if you got like a beer one beer it was like whatever 15 20 kuna that yeah. was like uh, like their dollar that's just what it was like the value started at one place and it just kept going higher and higher no different than now when you go to a restaurant you know when you uh, i don't know when i was younger what was a beer four or five bucks mm-hmm. now it's what was a pizza eight, nine, yeah. ten bucks yeah and pizzas are what what now like a, a restaurant like 25 dollars yeah. you know not even like even when you order like a, a delivery pizza not even at a restaurant i think like a party sized pizza now with a couple toppings is like what 40 bucks or something like am I, somebody i know one a neighbor told me they went to mcdonald's and they got two like i guess big mac combos i don't know if this could be true they said it was over 30 dollars can that be true Maybe they got like super size well, I, stuff. I, I, I don't know. You know what? But, but two Big Mac combos over 30 bucks. Yeah. That, maybe that's not true. Well, we just went to Ch- Chipotle, family of four, one kid meal. And it was, I remember, this was only a couple nights ago, it was $73. So I'm like, we just seven, seven, we got seventy three dollars oh for ta- this was takeout. This was takeout. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, isn't this takeout like ludicrous? Like, I yeah. can't even. My brain can't even comprehend. No, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, how? It's not easy for you know. And I, oh, you know, God. I know everyone's tighter and stuff. And I'm like, this like going to like I don't know. I, I just didn't view Chipotle takeout before as like. It, so it's soon going to be a hundred dollars for takeout. Well, it's becoming like a luxury. You know, yeah. now I did spend extra and we got guacamole. So, you yeah, know, that How dare you. Bucks, you know, How so, dare you get the guacamole? But it was just like, it was surprising to me. I was, I just, but you know, we, I guess we don't go there as a family for often or whatever. So I just didn't even ever like do the math in my head of what it would cost like that. You splurged on an avocado. Yeah. I know. Holy shit. I, know. I think it was three but bucks. I, and I, I think that brings up another point on where people are, are talking to us about rents because they're like, well, rents can't go higher. I'm like, well, the government can do a lot of things to make things keep going because you could send out checks to anyone who's renting as an election platform, perhaps, and say, hey, you know what? Everyone's renting. We're going to send you a month or two months worth of rent. That increases M2, helps renters. Maybe rents go up in that environment. You could also go to home buyers and say, hey, you're a first time home buyer. You're a current renter. Or if you're a current renter, or a first-time home buyer. Only those two categories. You know what? We have this brand new program called Everyone in Canada Should Own a Home Program. Behind the scenes, maybe the amortization on the mortgage for that program is a hundred fucking years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But isn't that a great election platform where you say you're because because you don't talk about the hundred-year amortization schedule and they're going to be in debt for a couple generations. They they just say payments on these mortgages are going to be really low. Behind the scenes, offer them 100-year amortizations. They do it in Japan. 
What does that do for the real estate market? Well, Doug Ford's come out recently. Did you see last, you know, so this is Ontario, not Canada, but he's came out and said that they're going to, now I don't know if this is going to come to fruition, but they're going to start building homes that are $500,000. I, yeah, know, I saw that. I don't know where they're going to be in Ontario. And they're going to be like the, the wartime bungalow type yeah. things, you know, two or three bedroom bungalows. Like, you know, but so like with, no basement with, on no, a No, with a basement because he wants the option to, for people to, they're in in-law suite or rent it out. Okay. I think in there was Canada, something like you that. You kind of need a basement. You get, get underneath the frost. Yeah, it was it was something like that. I, I forget exactly, you know, what he okay. was saying about it. But, but you know, I, I, the details, but that was the already the the platform that you know he's trying to stand on i'm like oh, i don't know maybe it works i don't know where it is maybe they're like way up north like i just don't know where you where you're able to build that on what land and that type of stuff when you when you yeah but these things costs. are being discussed the federal government could come out and say okay we're going to do uh, everyone in canada deserves their own home program behind the scenes is a 100 year amortization maybe they give the down payment and they are an equity partner with you. Well, in they've the, already uh, tried. I know they've tried it a that. little bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I'm saying maybe they really go for yeah. it and just say, hey, you owe us the down payment back. Now M2 increases again. There's more M2 being flushed into the economy. The prices of real estate in dollar terms, because the real estate hasn't changed, but the dollars have gotten weaker. So the price of real estate in fiat dollar terms goes up. Everyone's happy, yeah. get properties. Their purchasing power gets destroyed. The divide between the haves and the have-nots increases ever, even further. The stakes get even more unaffordable at the grocery stores. And people look around going, I don't understand why the destruction of the middle class happened in this country. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's all, yeah, it's, it's it's all, all possible. Yeah, for sure. No, 100%. 100%. It, it's, um, and I guess I'm coming at it not to try to defend the real estate market. That's the last thing I'm trying to defend. No, I'm just trying to figure out what the hell they're going to what the hell they're gonna yeah. do. Because I can't see a way that M2 comes down in any meaningful way where the government doesn't have to step in and flush money into the economy. Because of your example, saying if M2 comes down, price of things come down, well, then the banks suffer. They're, we're talking credit card defaults, loan defaults, mortgage defaults. So the, the, the Bank of Canada and the Canadian government is going to stand back and go, yay. I don't think so. Yeah, no, no. I've, I've, yeah. I've, so I've but maybe they do for things. some time. And here's the other thing that's always stuck with me reading economic history is that whenever you get a population in a country that begins to think things are going to get bad, they save and hoard dollars. They save and hoard. Like I think some people are now. People are talking about maybe selling this. I know, I know, somebody, sure. I know yeah. somebody who sold a Rolex because they wanted to raise some liquidity. Yeah. So they they sold the, the Rolex, got some cash. Maybe they're going to hoard onto that hoard that cash. What happens as a government or central banking system with a credit-based monetary system that requires growth? You have to convince the population to borrow and spend. To do that can be very tough if the psychology of the population is to save and not spend. Do you understand the the stimulus required in a high debt scenario? that would change the population's psyche to go back to spending after they've been abused with high rates, it's not gonna take a little stimulus. No. Nope. And in economic history, these examples have been, it's gonna take a crap load of stimulus. What the hell are we staring at in the next 12, 24, 36 months? Mm. Yeah, and we're already seeing the impact of, of you know the supply demand side of things which I'm just playing out of my head because as, as rates have gone up, you know, a lot of construction has stopped. Well, the construction that has, was ongoing. Sure. Was going, but, but a lot of new projects. Has, they haven't decided not to have decided not to start and just put it on hold for a little bit. Some are coming out to market, but not nearly as many as, the, as they were expecting. And why? From the developers we talked to, they don't know the price of material in yeah. 12 months. They don't know the price of labor in they 12 months. They don't know demand at, the, at these rates, at these carrying costs. They don't know the demand that's going to be there. Because yeah, the most important the part. 
And then that trickles into the same principle trickles into the rental market as well because of rent control. So they just came out and announced their, you know, the the increase for next year, the max increase, what was it, two and a half, is Ontario two and a half percent? I think that's what they said. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's that's where the cap is. And inflation is, you know, they, if they use their inflation calculator, the number's way higher than that. So, but they're still capping into that. And what that slowly does as well, those types of laws, which are same good short term for tenants, longer term, it doesn't allow market forces to kind of come into play so that then there's and less there ends up being less inventory and there's a law a, a greater shortage of rental housing this is where the problem and the lies existing is. stock the landlords don't feel like fixing the problems because if the rent only goes up 2.5 percent but the cost of waterproofing or a new roof goes up every year 10 percent yeah why does a landlord feel like fixing the windows, the roof, the foundation? They don't. They want you to, they'll, they'll be like, hey, why don't you leave? Because I can get someone else in there that will pay a better so rent. So these beautiful ideas of rent controls sabotage the quality of the existing rental stock. It's all a short, it's just a band-aid short-term solution that sounds good, but it doesn't fix any underlying Pocket problems. Nick, book a problem. flight, we're out of here. Let's go, but where do you go? No, I, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the reality. But We're I, positive, if you're listening to this and you don't know us, we're positive people. There's always a way. No, There's yeah, always a way to live the life you want. Yeah, I, I don't think, I don't want to come across that we're trying to trash. No, we're just everything. trying to be real, but no. But it's not that. It's we're trying to figure things out. Yeah. Like so. So the way I look at this stuff is, I I play out the good side, the bad side. Well, what has happens with this, and who you know? Can I talk to this developer, or this builder, or what are these other investors doing? And try to talk to everyone because I'm just trying to figure it out. Like, what's the what does to your to your point? You know, the system's so messed up that we kind of have to figure it, try to figure it out to know what our next move is. Otherwise, as you well. just get abused. Yeah. So that's that's what it is. So then when we're when we're kind of talking openly like this, it's just really just trying to kind of hash things out in our own heads. Hey, where do we go from here? Here's the factors we're looking at. Here's the things then, that we got to consider. And then layer on other government stupidity. Did you see over the last two weeks? Well, I think while we were gone in Europe, or maybe went right when we got back, they came out and said, "Oops." We knew we grew by a lot of population, but we miscounted one million people that Did we. Did they didn't. say that or CIBC? That's CIBC's or report. CIBC. Let me hold. Well, on. I don't know. The government might have said it too. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't. Put anything uh, past what's them. the headline? Yeah, I don't know who's saying it. The government estimate of the number of non-permanent residents in the country in 2021 was around one million. Yeah, you're right. But CIBC's analysis found it was actually closer to two million. Yeah, their report. So, so Benjamin Tall from CIBC, like he's. He's pretty good. He's been pretty on for the stuff. bank economist. He's he's one of our favorites. Yeah, yeah. Sure. He, well, he's been on stuff from the very beginning. I'm like, this guy's he's talking. a little too soft on the banks, but yeah, he's, well, he's on works at CBC. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The banks. <laughs> There's a little bit conflict of interest there, but but yeah, that's they they've been pretty accurate with a lot of their stuff. So yeah, and I read that report, and a lot of it made very good sense. So if it's not a million, maybe it's nine hundred thousand. But yeah, they. Uh, but that's what happens when you give control over the the immigration policy has been the control over our immigration has been given to basically these private institutions, which are the schools because of international students. And then we learned recently that if a school gives uh, if a school accepts one of the students, the Ontario government must give them the visa to come in. Oh, yeah. Is that how it works? Right. that. Yeah, I should look that up. You know, don't quote me on but that. That sounds yet, right but, but because if is. the university is accepting them, they have legal status to come in the country, some, yeah. so they get some temporary. So they're just they're a non permanent resident. They get to land they, yeah. because they're going to school. They probably have some acceptance paperwork. So the government, so the, so the, we have the, all these schools. They're dictating the number of people coming in, and they're profit driven because everyone, that, every student that's, that's coming in is giving them more and more money, and and 
so they're like, well, why are we just accept more and more international it's students? It's a second immigration path. Yeah, but then now, and then to make it matters worse, it's not even just the main universities. Then you have people being like, oh, wow, we, we joked about it. Some we, of these schools, I've never heard these no, names before. No, we joked about it because there was a new building going up, not across, like across the street in one block over on Trafalgar there. And we're like, oh my God, we have housing. We're going to buy some of the, I don't know if they were rentals or condos. We're going to either buy some units or rent some units, lock them up. We have a training room here. We can fit at least 50 people in there. We'll have a school for 50 people. Yeah. And then we'll just <laughs> run them through our, the classes that we offer here. And we're like, perfect. There's your education. And we can charge $30,000 or whatever, yeah. 50000 in commission. Probably better education students. than what they're getting. Let's yeah. I'm like, this is great. This is an extra million bucks. We're going we're gonna to have a year just to bring these. Can you in. imagine we do that? We open the school. People come into Canada to the, to to, to our education program, then we teach them how screwed up the government is and the whole housing market. <laughs> they turn around, they get a flight right back. Out of At least we're teaching them that. The other ways, in some of these some of these places, they're figuring it out by themselves because there's no places to stay. <laughs> and then there's this pie chart that came out while we were gone. It says the average Canadian family expenses right now: forty five percent in taxes, twenty one percent in shelter. So between taxes and housing, you're at what's that? Sixty six percent. 66% taxes and housing. 45% of the 60 yeah. is, is taxes. But So then there's 11% food, 3% clothing, and 19% other. But taxes and shelter are now taking 66.3%. Totally sustainable. <laughs> I know. I mean, <laughs> but now, look in Toronto. Look in Yeah, they're, yeah okay. They're in Toronto, they're talking about is it uh, properties of three million or higher? No, I think it starts lower. I think three million is where it gets to the highest rate. Okay, I thought it started even lower. Yeah, so you're talking about what they pa that they pass about this like other property tax? Yeah, I couldn't even on. read the details. It made me so like, like I was like, this is so ridiculous. Okay, or what about this? So we we don't have the clarity on that one, but there's something happened in Toronto. We we should dig into that uh, at some point. So, but just just to clarify before you say that, what they're what they're doing is they're implementing a, a, a tax on val when you sell a property of a certain value or higher. So they're calling them the more expensive properties. Maybe it starts at two million or three million, whatever, and it's an escalating tax. The higher the value of the property, they're paying more and more tax. A, a Toronto baseline transfer tax, which again is like. Well, well, that'll really encourage people to go to Toronto. But, but think of what these cities like Toronto do with the money. I have an example. I can't name any names right now, but I know of a subway station in Toronto where they're making an elevator to go up and down on one side of the subway. The cost got so out of control that they're now over $18 million for one elevator to go down one level to the subway platform on one side of the subway. $18 million They've gone over budget. The project's not done. I saw pictures of the project. Nick, it's just a hole. It's just a hole with some construction workers in it. They're over 18 million. That's what the city, I would hire Nicholas Carrazza yeah, at the top of the it. stairs. You can run a person up and down for how much? For $18 million, you'll do that all year. Oh, no you'll problem. You'll just stand there all, all year. All year. Like you'll stand there for five years. 10 years, 1.8 a year, I'll take exercise. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying we shouldn't have elevators for the people who need them. But like when you see what the city does with the money oh, at gosh, $18 million. Yeah. That's one thing I learned at a young age when I was working in the Region Appeal. Like, you know, at, at that time. So, should, I guess I shouldn't have said Region Appeal. No, that's fine. <laughs> and, and then the, uh, did you see the Markham news that came out? In 2025. Oh 2025, my gosh. I, I had to look at this. When you sent it to me, I didn't even believe it. I'm like, this is we wrong. We talked about it at the team meeting. Everybody this, was just this laughing. This is wrong. So by 2025. But it's true, no? I think it's true. By 2025, they're going to increase property taxes in Markham by 93%. Yeah, staggered from now until then. Do your own due diligence on this one. You know, double check it. I don't know if it's passed, but I think it is. No, when I, when I, looked, at, when I looked at it, it seemed like it was But It's not 9%. They're going to increase property taxes by 93%. 
But you know what? I hope you look this up and it's a joke. Just saying this out loud, it seems like a joke. Yeah, I have to look this it's, one it's, up. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's in two years. They're going to increase property taxes. I think it was like 93 point something percent. There's like some weird calculation on this thing. But I guess the point is like if Toronto's implementing these things, Markham's increasing property taxes, if taxes are going to go up further, and if I go back to the example here, the taxes are currently taking 45% of a family's um, expenses, where the heck are we headed? I mean, if just extrapolate this for extrapolate everything forward 10 years, money supply, housing, healthcare, highway in, and transportation infrastructure, police force, are any of these things on the right path for this country? And listen, I'm not saying Canada, I'm not trying to, if anyone's listening to this, I'm not trying to like shit on Canada, but we can also be real. Yeah, but that isn't, that's not a, a, a long-term solution. This, this discourages people coming like it just it just also well, it also problems. discourages the productive class in the country like if you're going to start a new business in this country i mean the world's kind of open a little bit still you might look around and go i don't know if i want to start a brand new uh, uh business and employ people here maybe i'll go do it do it somewhere else and then what's the government going to response be when the tax base goes down they're going to increase taxes further I mean, it's, it's literally Atlas Shrugged playing out in real time. If you haven't read the book Atlas Shrugged, it's just a fictional book talking about governments and the productive class and what happens. I think there's a three-part series on Amazon. It's a thick book. But if you haven't read it, there's a three-part series on Amazon, not the highest budget, on, uh, and, and they changed the cast on all three parts of, of, of it. But I would highly recommend watching that. It just feels like for the first time in my life that we're playing out Atlas Shrugged in real time. Yeah. Yeah. So I can't, I'm just looking for a, 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 the source. Can't find it? I can't find a, a perfect source on this. It seems like it's true, but I'm just, I, I would have to dig into things a little bit more. Oh, here you go. Yeah, no, yorkregion.com is saying in light of 30 year highs in inflation, a looming recession, um, and the legislative changes brought by Bill 23, AKA more home built, built faster act city staff initially tabled 6.4 a tax increase for this year, followed by 93.3% over the years of 2024 to 2026. So yorkregion.com, that's, um, that's like Metroland Media, I believe, owns that. That's, that's, you know. Okay, so on a percentage basis against the original property tax, maybe it is 93%. It, no, it, it seems like it is, yeah. 6% oh. this year, then 93% split up sometime over oh, got it. Okay. three years. Okay, sorry, then, I was yeah. Googling up while you were speaking. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what what was the other thing that um, we gotta have? Oh well, well, Chow wants to put in a a, a sales tax, just a municipal sales tax in Toronto. That, that can't fly. Things. I know. I saw well, that. They're, they're, they're asked for fly. permission for it. I know. But, but I mean, that can't so like, fly. but but people are just going to go to the other municipality. Like, it, it, there's no thought put into this. No, I don't know. Maybe who wrong. are our Maybe leaders in this country? <laughs> who are our leaders? They're everyone that doesn't want the job. I, I, sorry, they're everyone that's oh the left God. over because people, like a lot of other people, just don't want the job. What has happened to the leadership in this country? I'm not saying it was great before, but I just feel like at every level, doesn't matter what party. I, I you know, I, I guess at this next election, can, it can't come soon enough at the federal <laughs> level. <laughs> It comes soon, but I guess at this next election, it's so bad. We're just—I don't know what to do but laugh. Like it's hilarious, but uh, you can see it's hilarious because like a lot of the problems are so obvious, but uh, with such obvious fixes. But um, I guess at our next election, I, I guess I'm going to want to see this Pierre. What, how do you say his name? 
I, I don't know. You I don't always know. make a big deal about it. It just seems very simple. It's Polyev, I believe. Polyev? I don't know. That's I, 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 I struggle with last names. Anyone know who knows, knows, me, knows me? That's the case. Um, I guess like I, I, but I have no faith in any politicians, but like I need to see somebody else in here, man. Like it's just a disaster. I, he says the right things to make you believe that he understands like, you know, financial responsibility and a little bit about how money works. We, we had that opportunity to speak to him really briefly, yeah. like a couple minutes. And I got the sense the guy was smart. He seems like he actually understands that and believes He's it. still a politician. It, it, that's exactly, yeah. that was going to yeah. be my next line of thing. So like who, yeah. who knows, you know, yeah. but, uh, but I mean, at this point, compared to the, yeah, <laughs> the other I don't option, mean, I, I, I look don't around, know. like I look around at municipal levels, I look around at provincial levels, I look around at federal levels. I'm like, I don't know. I, I guess I don't know who there's like an who is the natural leader in this country at this moment. Yeah, in this country, I, I don't know. I don't even know in the U.S. either. Well, it's not Joe Biden. I mean, I think he's got a few good years going on. <laughs> Jesus, holy smokes, man. Did you see that one clip of him? Where was it? I guess he was in, uh, was he in, there's like a G20 meeting. Is it, I don't know if it was in India. I don't know. There's where been so many clips of him I, clueless. But I, like his staff member cuts him off from finishing his like ramble. He started rambling about something and his staff member just cuts him off. Oh no, I missed that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. You look around, it's like, holy smokes. I guess, uh, how old am I? 50? So I guess I'm going to be around long enough to see a lot of change. Like, cause it looks like, let's just take the next two and a half decades, the next 25 years. I got to think we're going through the eye of the needle on chaos and craziness right now. Like there's got to well, go back to that fourth turning top. Yeah. Like what this are we in the middle of it? <laughs> this is yeah. the middle. And it, uh, we were at a place. I remember reading the fourth turning. So this is this book. If you're not familiar with the fourth turning it talks about historical patterns in the economy. And then basically every 80, 100 years or so, you go through a fourth turning where the population loses trust in all the institutions. That's one of the things of, that happens in a fourth turning. And I got to feel like we're there. Like if somebody sends me- I'm out, there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about everyone else, but yeah. Because <laughs> I, I think it was only a few years ago, if somebody sent me like a news clip of like some presidential candidate or a president or prime minister somewhere saying something, I would kind of sort of believe it was maybe true. Now, no matter what anyone sends me, I don't know if it's true or not. Yeah. Like I look at it, I'm like, yeah, maybe that's true. Like it doesn't matter if it's the health, the health minister or if it's like the education system or if it's like the minister of finance, if it's the central bank telling you they're going to hold rates, but then they increase rates. Like every institution, you kind of raise an eyebrow like the rock and you look at that and you go, oh, I don't know if that's a real, is that really true? Yeah, that's definitely how I am. Yeah. So when so yeah, it's when someone's like, oh, I saw this thing and I'm just like, where, you know, like, I, yeah, I just have no trust in anything. I have to, I need five different, well, it's like even the Markham thing. I was trying to look up, you know, five different sources. Yeah, we like, don't know if it's say, true. Like, yeah. is it really true? Yeah. Are they really doing that? that I can't just read some Reddit thread and think like, okay, that's the truth. Right? So the other interesting and I think serious thing to talk about with the banks is that some of the banks, I think it's 25% of their uh, outstanding mortgages are beyond the original amortization. Or for some. Some other yeah. banks are over 35% uh, of their, or over Not 30. original amortization, over um like 30 or 35 years. I forget what stat it was. Yeah. But it's not original amortization. It was over like that, that particular, that particular number. I probably yeah, have agreed. Here. Yeah. I'm trying to pull up the exact stat here, but these banks, if they have, hold on, here we go. 
uh, RBC, 43% of its mortgages had a remaining amortization of greater than 25%, 25 years. Yeah. 43%. Yeah, it, it goes down. If you're up to 30, 35, it'll drop to a little bit more manageable number. At TD, 48% of TD mortgages had a remaining amortization of greater than 25 years. Okay. So if these banks have mortgages, which, you know, were most of them were at 25 years, I guess some of them could have been at 30, maybe some older ones at 35, but that much of the mortgages they have outstanding, what happens at renewal? Is Offsee, one of the governing bodies in this whole financial system here in Canada, gonna come out and say, you know what? We're gonna allow people to renew at these longer mortgages? Or are they gonna say, no, no, no. If your mortgages was outstanding at renewal and the amortization is like 65 years or 90 years, like some of these screenshots we've been seeing, they're going to say, well, you owe us 80000 and all the missed interest payments that we didn't collect on your variable rate mortgage because we capped the payment. And your new payment's not 3500 a month. It's 7000 a month. Yeah, no, it's 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 very messy. And the, the, the bulk, not the bulk, it, it increases every year from this year. But 2025 is the first year where a, a chunk the number, of them come due. It's a really, it starts to become a big number. Next year, it can cause some stress. But if, if, if things don't change, by for the renewal times in 2025 and then even 2026 even even larger but 2025 that could cause a forced a, a dent problem. in the real estate market because some yeah, people know I, that's coming like i already know people who know that's coming on their primary home and they're looking to move now yeah. because they know they can't afford the new payment yeah and, oh, yeah sorry i thought you meant in 2025 yeah it wouldn't be just the real estate market it would be it, sure, everything across the board it would be problems in, in a lot of places I, sure. I know some pretty highly paid you know, income earners who have very high uh, properties, like, you know, they're worth several millions of dollars. They're looking to sell because of this situation. The banks on their quarterly calls have said that they're they're not concerned at this point. The delinquency rates have just, they're, they're below norm still. Well, they cap the payments. Things. No, I know that. But even even on, on ones that aren't, and even like renewals and things like that, they're not seeing major problems yet. So if somebody's a good small, credit risk, there continue to be a good credit it risk. It seems that way from some other comments that I've been reading mm. here. So it seems that way. Now, having said that, I think it was CIBC, I forget. No, it was Bank of Nova Scotia saying they're going to be selective on their renewal. Oh, I wasn't saying that. I was There was a a bank, I believe, was CBC put aside extra money for potential losses that they foresaw could be coming up, and that's either that's that's from mortgages, lines of credit. And I think I, that's all credit products. And I think Bank of Nova Scotia put something out saying it was just one line somewhere yeah, that weird. said there, you know, on renewal they will be selective or deselective on who they choose to renew. Yeah, and I don't know if that's a weird. bank just trying to get in the good books with the government, saying, yeah, like we got things under control. You know, if someone's not a good credit risk, we're not going to renew their mortgage, which is very, very very unusual for Canada. If you have an existing mortgage, I've never heard it where you're just not automatically renewed. Yeah. So well, they're trying to, to kind of tone down their mortgage book a little bit, right? Because they were saying that they just weren't getting the flow through into the retail products that they wanted. So the idea with the banks is that they want to get, if they go through the broker channel, which Scotia does, and they were very aggressive in the broker channel for a while, they were getting a lot of mortgages. And the, the idea is to then take those people that have mortgages through brokers and then bring them into retail customers at the bank and sell them credit cards and checking accounts and all the other things that they can make money from them with. And they just weren't seeing that flow through these other products. So that's why they were trying to pull back a little bit on the 
the broker channel. They weren't making themselves, uh, their rates weren't as competitive and stuff like purposely. They were just not making their rates as competitive because they just didn't want the same volume coming in. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out because then it was like, I think it was just last month where they, for about two weeks, they got super competitive again and they were undercutting some banks and then that all disappeared again. So it's, it's almost like the banks are trying to figure out where they want to sit in all of this as well. This is, I guess, since we started Rockstar, this is probably the most epic and wild times we've ever seen. Like this is now, great financial crisis was interesting, but you know, in Canada, it was kind of like not that big of a deal. Um, But right now, what lays before us is like fascinating. The next few months could be interesting because from the little bit of history that I know from when I've been following some of this stuff, it feels like, in the fall through about now, where are we, mid-September somewhere? So like mid-September to mid-November is always- It's always like October. It's actually, yeah, it's, it's, it feels always, like it's always October, October. Where things kind of like start bubbling the to fan. the surface. And last year was the UK gilts, which yeah. started that, Yeah, right? That was October mm-hmm. of last year, if I remember yeah. correctly. Yeah. So I can't remember when Lehman was, but I feel like Lehman was the fall too, 2008. Yeah, I'm not I sure. So. Yeah, because then Bush was handing over presidency to Obama. Yeah, someone else was spring. Who was spring? Was that AIG or something? Yeah, that, that hit over 12 months. I think it was Bear Stearns, and then it was- Yeah, like, Bear Stearns was spring, I think. Was it? I and think it was, that, and it was Lehman in the fall. Funds yeah. And Lehman then later in the fall. Yeah, so, but it was, um, anyway, so yeah, it, 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 so I guess I'm just- Brace, at it. brace yourself. Yeah. Volatility ahead, we'll see. brace. Yeah, and, and but in all seriousness, like you said, like, there's lots of opportunity out there. Oh, for there's sure. lots of, you know, it's, it's not like, it's interesting times. They don't have to be scary times that you can be kind of cautious. Yeah, you don't want to be pro- blindsided. That's yeah, why we're talking. To protect yourself, way. your family, everything. And it's just, it's why we try to figure this stuff out and it's why some th- stuff just doesn't make sense. We're like, how can this make sense long-term? And maybe there's something coming around the corner we don't see. But in the past, it's been, you know, every time they've got to this point, Generally, when things start turning and they get a little bit, uh, things got squeezed too tight, they turn the liquidity taps on. and Shit hits fan. Yeah, kind of start running the same path again. So so on that note, on Saturday, October 14th, we have this Your Life, Your Terms event, which we know we're going to cap out on. If you're a Rockstar Inner Circle member, you can sign up for that. That's totally included with your membership. If you're not, we are going to open up a small section of, of, of tickets for that. We have a stacked lineup. Nick's going to be sitting down with one of the big, I think they're the biggest, but one of the biggest capital guys in Canada who work with the developers across Canada and in the US on some of the biggest real estate projects. Yeah, I'm actually looking forward to the conversation this time even more just because of everything going on, because yeah. we're going to get really good insight from, from what the developers are looking at planning changing because of the environment and stuff like that so it'll give us good uh, good insight into what's coming we have a very good friend friend of ours from florida who's going to come up talking about income properties and investment properties single family duplex quads we're doing that because we know a lot of canadians want to know what's going on in the florida market and this is somebody that we trust we've uh known this person for over a decade now and they've kind of definitely proven there are somebody we can trust so we're finally bringing somebody up to give us the nitty-gritty on what's going on in florida and how canadians work and how international investors work when buying properties in florida so that's happening at the event we have the one and only jeff booth who wrote a great book one of my favorite books in the last five years called the price of tomorrow and uh, he's going to be talking about the economy, 
artificial intelligence, the future of jobs, the future of debt and money supply in this country, where it all takes us. He is probably one of the most articulate and well-spoken people on this subject that I've ever met. He's Canadian out of Vancouver. He's going to fly across the country to be with us in person on Saturday, October 14th. We have one of the- A lot of his stuff, his books and- just the way he's explained things has really changed my thinking. I know yours oh. too, but my thinking with a, just with a lot of things, and it, it just it it's it's put a lot of pieces over the last couple of years. It's put a lot of pieces of of uh, you know I guess the puzzle I was looking at for myself together um, from Jeff. He's he's just great. He's so matter of fact the way he he's speaks. Incredible. He's just yeah, smart smart dude. Well worth getting some insights. We're pumped. From, from, I'm, I'm yeah. just personally that's pumped. That's exciting. Yeah, that's yeah, very, I'm, very I'm cool. pumped that he's yeah. coming. I feel very grateful for that. And uh, one of the co-founders of Wind Mobile is going to be in the house talking about his experience of starting Wind Mobile and innovation in Canada, entrepreneurship in Canada, what he went through and give us give yeah. us kind of that story. Yeah, and if you hear him talk <laughs> about it, because he was up against, I mean, do you remember the way the cell phone companies control yeah. things before? Now, they still control it a lot, but it, it's it's better than it was. And he was one of the big catalysts of that. I know. And he was going against one of like that type of industry. I can't even He made their lives it. miserable which is why I don't know him yet. And I love the guy <laughs> yeah, already. Yeah. yeah, that'll be good. Um, he's going to be there. And then we're going to have the Rockstar Economic Update where we're going to do a full presentation that we've done now for years on all the topics we discussed on this podcast in depth with charts and illustrations and the whole bit. And that's where we just take a bunch of the data that you and I are looking at over the last few months and combine it all for our own research and share it yeah. with everyone. And to be fair, that's been, you know, for a lot of people, that's been a really, they're, they're, favorite part of those events you know or, or one of the favorite parts for sure it's been fun yeah. they, they've really liked and they, they go out of their way to come and make sure they yeah. get access to it and stuff like that so well, we're trying to cram in you, you're you're money. you're like you know you don't make a, a big deal about it you know but but you don't give yourself enough credit yeah. for what you do with that i think there's a lot of people well, it did help us. we get a lot of feedback about that specifically that's yeah that for sure we do and that's that is cool to hear for sure and and i think re, the reason it's been helpful to us is that you know a few years ago with covid we were already talking about volatility mm -hmm. we we were talking about brace for this decade. It's going to be volatile. And what are we seeing? Volatility. Yeah. You know, back in the two. Well, even when they, and then when they started throwing money out and dropped rates as much as they did, we were looking at each other like, what the heck are they doing here? Mm -hmm. And then it was, and we were talking about like during some of the local market update, I remember some of the stuff that I did. And I'm like, this is like jet. We've we have the kindling. We have a bit of a fire. This is now jet, jet fuel, fuel on the fire. Yeah. Like they've, it's, it's a, it's a mess. It was that affordability equation that we had. That's right. right. What an inferno it is. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so that's what's going on on Saturday, October 14th. And the best part, I think, is that it's really become a bit of a community where a whole bunch of rock star members that have been hanging yeah, out together cool. come out. The vibe is good. Um, we're going to have some great sponsors that are going to be there. These are people we use ourselves. So, like, for me... I don't know. It's a bit of a highlight. Like I love these events. This one I, should be fun. They're a bit of a yeah. pain to put on. They're they've turned into a real pain to be put <laughs> yeah. on because there's so many people coming. Yeah. But this one, uh, this one should be. It'll be a, a bunch of stuff going on, but it'll be uh, should be fun for sure. Yeah. And the URL for that, if you're not a member and you don't know where to go, it's yourlifeyourtermsevent.com. We'll take you to the details of that. It's Saturday, October 14th. If you're a member, definitely save your seat. We are going to cap out on this thing. Yeah. The last one that we did earlier this year, we had to close registration early. So. If you're a member, grab your seat now for sure. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, that's it. So I don't think we solved any world crisis here on this podcast or any Canadian crisis, but we talked about some of them. Gave yeah. our views on, yeah. on some of them. That's it. Thanks for listening, everyone. Hey, everyone. Hopefully you enjoyed that chat with Nick and myself. Had some fun recording that one. And if you're listening to this, we want you to be aware of Saturday, October 14th. It's the next in-person live Your Life, Your Terms event. It is going to be jam-packed. 
We have Jeff Booth coming out. We have the co-founder of Wind Mobile coming out. We have one of the biggest developers in Canada coming out to talk about what's going on in real estate uh, development projects at a high level with some of the biggest developers in Canada and in the US. We have local investors in-house there. We have a great set of sponsors that are gonna, going to join us there. You're going to want to be there on Saturday, October 14th. You can go to yourlifeyourtermsevent.com to save yourself a ticket for that right now. That is it for this episode. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Until next time, your life, your terms.